Everybody happy and excited? Yes. Amen. I'm sure uh, God blessed you all uh, beyond your expectations this morning. Right, kids? Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, well, hopefully uh, that's how all of you feel, that, uh, um, you know, you didn't really want anything that much and you didn't even really deserve anything, and yet your family, through God's love, gave you stuff anyway. Amen? Right? See, we, should, we shouldn't feel like we deserve something, or we shouldn't feel like we didn't get what we wanted, right? I don't know, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if that message is getting through there. None of you really convinced me. Well, I know um, in our home, um, you know, the fur coat, the diamond ring, the necklace, the, you know, all that stuff that Angela got, you know, and, and um, um, went upstairs and prayed about it and came down and she was happy anyway. Amen. Um, so, and thank all of you who contributed to that. Amen. But, you know, Christmas obviously is a time of year when... There are a lot of things going on in our lives. We can be super busy. All those things are happening. But certainly one of the things we're trying to do is uh, figure out how to choose the right gift. Get something that, you know, for that special person or something that we hope the person will really enjoy or really find uh, refreshing or encouraging and that kind of thing. And so we want to, in a sense, find the perfect gift. But, you know, have you ever received, you know, an indescribable, indescribable gift? Have you ever received a gift that was beyond... Description, you know, and in thinking about that, and if you really think about it, it's like, well, what, what, what would that be? I mean, maybe you get a gift. It's, you know, and you, you're a little bit older, my age, or even older, or whatever, and you get something, and, and and it's like, wow, I've wanted this all my life. This is something I've longed for. Thank you so much. But would that make it indescribable? You know, or maybe it's a gift that really carries a lot of emotional. Uh, feelings to it, a lot of uh, memory, memories connected to it, and you receive that, and, and, and you're overwhelmed, and, and, and you'll hold it and cherish it because of everything it reminds you of, but is that indescribable? You know, or maybe it could be something that maybe you didn't care about that much, and so you don't even bother trying to describe it. I suppose that could be indescribable as well. But you know, a while back on Good Morning America, it was several years ago, but uh, uh, um, Joan London was uh, one of the hostesses there, and, and she was talking about some of the great gifts that you could get for Christmas. Maybe some of you saw that, but one was the Jaguar 220. Jaguar, right? And, um, you know, if you wanted one of these, you could go down and plop down your $80,000 deposit, and then, uh, you know, once you, once you took delivery, then you could pay uh, the rest of the $587,000 uh, that you would owe for that. They only make 250 of those a year. You know, and then she went on to say that if you really wanted to be nice and, and you know, to really shine like it, in, in, shine in a way that only this product could make it shine, there was a car wax that you could get for eight ounces of car wax for $3,400. And so, uh, but if you're going to spend 600 G's on the car, you might as well spend another 35 grand on an eight ounce can of car wax, right? And, you know, I just, I, I do have to be careful because I go back to my life before I was a Christian, you know, and, um, um, <laughs> You know, and this is how I used to, you know, not live then either. But <laughs> we're a third item. There was a $300,000 gold and silver toilet seat inlaid with all kinds of jewels and whatnot. Somehow I have a feeling that if you tried to resell that, you wouldn't get your money's worth. But uh, could be wrong. Could be wrong. 
Cheaper gifts for those who already had everything, like an $18,000 Frisbee, a $10,000 yo-yo, a $12,000 mousetrap, and even a $27,000 pair of sunglasses. Okay? That's more than I spend at the gas station when I buy mine, you know? Um, But, you know, those kind of gifts, they can stagger our imagination, you know? But what about if you were a proud grandparent, you really wanted to, you know, encourage your your brand new grandchild, you could get them a $28,000 pacifier. And you know that, you know they'd really appreciate that, you know? But you know, you think about those things, and, and, and even those things, you go, well, I, if I ever received one of those, I might be at a loss for words, perhaps. You know, if someone gave me a $587,000 car, and, and you know, it, it's like, I don't know, maybe you guys should test that theory. I don't know. Let's see. Find out if I really am speechless. But, but you know, certainly we might, we might feel like, you know, what words do I use for this? But certainly the marketers don't feel that way. They write about all these things and write about them in such a way that describe them that could almost make us feel like, you know, we can't live without them. Or, you know, what we always hear in commercials these days is you deserve it, right? You deserve this. A person of your stature, a person of your hard work, a person of of your limited means, you deserve something nice too. You know, they always make us feel that. But they won't have really any problem describing those things. And, you know, over in 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about um, in, in, in chapter 9 there, he's talking about, you know, gifts that humans give. And he's writing about, you know, how the church there in Corinth is taking up offerings to give to some of the poor disciples in Jerusalem. And he's thanking the people for, for what they're giving. And he's, he's also saying, remember, however, that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he also reminds them that those who sow generously will also reap generously. And then he takes his attention from that, from human gifts to God and to the gift of sending Jesus to us on earth. And if you look there in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, Paul simply writes, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And at this time of year, you know, we do our best to, to really depict through, you know, sermons and, and, and singing, different things like of this nature, to really depict, you know, how amazing the gift that God gave to us through Jesus really is. And over time, you know, we sing them, we hear them every year, but musicians have composed some of their greatest music to try and depict this incredible gift of God to us. You know, there's Handel's Messiah. There's Bach's Christmas Oratorio. And then some of the hymns we sing, like the beautiful hymns we sing about God, like Silent Night and Joy to the World and, and, and so many others, O Little Town of Bethlehem that we love. Some of the greatest music, some of the greatest lyrics that we ever hear or sing, you know, or written to pay homage to that. You have all the painters and the, the sculptors, you know, who paid homage, you know, to try and describe the indescribable gift. So Paul just says, you know, thanks be to God for this gift that we can't describe. He says there's no words that can really, you know, Paul was a great, um, you know, speaker, had incredible oratory skills, I mean, and, and a great writer, as, as we can see through the scriptures. And yet he said, it's just indescribable. I, I can't really come up with the words. And that really is, you know, when we think about what is Christmas all about? You know, I'm sure many of you got up this morning and, and, you know, you opened presents. And I'm sure also many of you before you did that, you read the Christmas story, though. Because we want our kids to know, we want our, we want our, our families, we want to remind ourselves that that's what it's really about. It's not about what we're about to do and open these gifts. These are just symbolic of, of us giving to each other the way God gave to us. It's a way uh, for us, in a sense, to be like God and giving each other gifts because he gave us the indescribable gift of Jesus. And I hope we thought about this that this morning and last night and I hope we think about that today. I hope we think about that 
often about what an indescribable gift we've been given by God. But you know, why is it indescribable? Like one of the reasons, you know, because of the na- his nature. Because of the very nature of Jesus makes this gift indescribable. You know, how do you describe a child being born of a virgin? How do you describe God being born into the flesh? How do you really describe that to make it understandable? That's why part of our good news, part of the good news that we want to share with people is foolishness to them. Because we can't really do it justice. We can't really describe the indescribable gift. You know, how do you describe that which is spirit when all we really know is a physical or material? How do we describe that? That yes, he's flesh, but he's also, you know, spirit. He's also the Holy Spirit. He's, he's God in the flesh. How do you describe someone that's being born as a baby even, that, that, that is born with the capacity to, will be omniscient, will know everything, will understand everything? How do you describe that? You know, some of us, when we have babies, we probably think that's what our baby's going to be. Oh, man, you should see, my kid's only three days old and already, you know, trying to move. My kid was pooping right out of the womb. I mean, and I've read that other kids that aren't that smart, they don't start that till like day one. Oh, my kid, you should have seen him. should have seen him. Eyes opening and closed. Weird. My kid, when she was first born, she could see right away. Most kids, it's several days before they can even see. My kid, I know she could see me. Oh, you should have seen my child. I walked to the room the other day, and I just walked in, and my child started smiling. How old? Two days. Doctors say he's never, he's never seen it. doesn't believe it, even. But that's how we feel. And they become teenagers. Amen. But words aren't really adequate when we try to describe. And some of the wisest men, you know, in the world who've lived have tried to do that. Listen to what the uh, Council of Chalcedon said in 451 A.D. And these are, you know, some of the greatest thinkers, certainly the greatest theologians of that day and age, who came together, and here's their description. Perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body. Consubstantial, co-essential with the Father according to the manhood. In all things like unto us without sin. Begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead. And in these latter times for us and for our salvation. Born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother of God. According to the manhood, one and the same. Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and the distinction of nature's being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. Amen. Kids, how many of you understood that? Oh, you did? I didn't, because I didn't understand that at all. I've read it several times. I still don't understand it. I think he's saying something like Jesus is awesome. I think is what they're really trying to communicate there. See, man's attempt to describe the indescribable are sometimes futile. Why else? Why else is he indescribable? I I think also because of his nature, but also because of his purpose in coming to earth. And this is what we know. How many of you kids know why Jesus came to earth? Any of you? To do what? Okay. Yeah, young Tom Bundy had that answer too, you know. Jesus came to earth. Jesus was born, if you will. Certainly his purpose later on in life was clear to seek and save the lost. But Jesus was born to what? To save us. 
Jesus was born to be our Savior. And you've got to be making sure you're teaching your children that. And I know that and trust that you are. But that's why Jesus was born. The purpose of him being born was to save us. You know, God was able to look down and God had known and always known that man needed a Savior. God saw man's inhumanity to man and knew I, I, we've got to save them. And so he asked his son, you know, basically, will you be willing to leave all this and go to that? It's like asking us to leave whatever we, we have and to have absolutely nothing and to live on the street, if you will, just to preach the gospel. Where's my food going to come? I don't know. Where... That's what it would be like. I mean, to have no plan, you know what I mean, to, 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 for us to even come close to being able to understand that. It'd be like us, really, many people describe it as us going to a less than human form even. Not even, you couldn't even take enough away from us for us to understand what going from heaven and being born into earth is like. We'd have to be subhuman in order to even come close to what Jesus gave up. We'd have to give up our humanity, be a dog or be a rat or something of that nature, you know. For us to really understand what it was that Jesus gave up. But the purpose there was for Jesus to come and save us. The purpose there was for Jesus to come and be able to give us peace. To be able to give us hope. And how many of us, you know, do really reflect on that? Do we think about that enough, you know? What is it that God has really done for me? It's something that we have to be reminded of. It's something that we need to be able to sit back sometimes. And that's why Christmas really is such a great thing. To celebrate Christmas. I, you know, people like to say, oh, well, it's born of a pagan holiday. Oh, you know, people want to tarnish it in any way they can so they can make Christians or Christianity look foolish. And sometimes we can buy into that. And yet, no, it's a great time of year for us as disciples to be reminded to think about what really took place. So many years ago, for us to be able to remind others and to teach others about what took place there. You know, and how do you describe that? How do you describe God sending God in to the world. The gift is an indescribable gift. Why else? Well, because of the nature of who it was that was born in that manger, because of the purpose for that baby being come or that baby coming. Why else? Because of the grace that we receive because Jesus was born. You know, in a sense that every gift that I give or will be given, you know, whether I get or receive, you know, every gift is, is basically because that person I give it to has some kind of a claim on me. If I give a gift to my wife, well, she's my wife. To my kids, well, they're my children. To my extended family, they're my family. Even if I give something to the poor, you know, it's because I have some kind of indebtedness to humanity. Some kind of understanding that maybe I'm obliged. Not, not forced or must do it because I've been given, but that it's the right thing to do. And when you think about Jesus, though, that's what makes God's gift to us so special. God didn't owe us anything. God was not obliged in any way to give us the gift of Jesus. We hadn't earned it in any way, shape, or form. In fact, we'd been living and continue to live in rebellion to God, and yet He gave us this incredible gift. You know, we can't even comprehend, even as parents, if our children were in such a state of rebellion that it was just causing pain and and wreaking damage throughout our whole family, and, and, and we lavished gifts on them anyway. As if they weren't doing anything wrong. As if, you know, we, we didn't even, even we gave them the gift. It wasn't like, you don't deserve this or you shouldn't get this. Or, man, I can't believe, I'm going to try to kill you with kindness. It's, boy, imagine us trying to do that. Or imagine maybe you can, maybe somehow imagine because you love your children. Or imagine giving an incredible gift to someone that's never done anything but been bad to you. They've hurt you. They've hurt your family. They've ripped you off. They've stolen from you. They've, they've hurt someone, you know, physically hurt someone. Something like that. And yet you lavish good things on them. You know, we think we think maybe we could do that. And that's because most of us have never had really anything really bad done to us, like really bad. We think, well, someone said some bad stuff about me once before, but I sucked it up and I forgave them. 
Right? Some of us have been really hurt by our spouses. And we've forgiven them. And yet that's nothing compared to how we've hurt God. And how he's given to us. And how he gave us the gift. The Bible says that while we were still in rebellion. While we are still living in our sin. Jesus died for us. And in a sense while we are still living in our sin. God had Jesus be born for us. And so certainly you know I don't want us to have a heavy sermon on Christmas day. And yet I don't want us to have us you know to have funnel cake for Christmas either. Because the birth of Jesus is too important. It's too monumental. It's, it's the event that changed the face of history. Everything was different because of that birth, has been different, and will continue to be different because of that day, because of that birth. Everything changes. Everything's different. And so how do we describe that? God giving us a gift that we could never earn or deserve. You know, when you see that baby in the manger at Bethlehem, you know, we, we, sometimes we can focus on that. We see all the scenes. We think, what a cute baby. And we can, you know, reason with that because we've, we've, many of us have had babies and all of us have seen babies. And, you know, and yet that's the Son of God in that manger. That's God in that manger. That baby being born right there is someday going to grow up and be brutalized and die in your place. Someday that baby is going to take your place at the executioner stand. It's incredible when you think about it. It's indescribable when we look at that. There are no words. And finally, why else? Because of his effect on us. You know, you think about what happens to us when we get God's gift. You know, when you open your Christmas gifts, when you, if you haven't already done so, or if you've already done so, how many of you opened gifts last night and today? You've already opened gifts. Okay? How many of you have been profoundly changed? Because of that gift you opened. Right? How many of you, I mean, and, and you know, any, any, any hands that go up there just shows how deceived you are. So that's fine. Um, and that's a good way for you to get humbled on Christmas morning. Um, but the reality is, you know, you, you get a, a sports car. You know, you, it doesn't profoundly change your life. It allows you to drive faster than you could in your hoopty. And even if you drive too fast and you crash and you are no more, your life hasn't changed. It's just over, you know. So it doesn't really, doesn't change your life. If you get a brand new TV, you know, and, and man, you're, watching sports is so much better. So much better. And it's, it's you know, for, for many men, it, it's almost a legitimate need even. I mean, it's very close to being a need and not just a want. But I'm going to stop and say it's still just a want, and it doesn't profoundly change your life. When you get in and smell the new car smell, you know, it, it feels so good, and it's so amazing, and you got all the gadget belt, you know, and, and, but really after a few weeks or a few months, it's, you know, still kind of smells like new car, you know, but you think about it, you go, you go well, it's been six months since I got this new car, and I, you know, I still have, you know, 2.3 kids and I still live in the same house and I still have this, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not any wealthier. I'm not, you know, I'm not more saved or less. And, you know, it doesn't profoundly change your life. Maybe a lot of fun. You may be very encouraged, but nothing really profoundly changes your life. But when we got the gift from God of Jesus, certainly that has profoundly changed our life. The Bible teaches us that when we make Jesus our Lord, Things will never be the same again because of the effect that his love has on our life. You know, Jesus allows us to be obedient by coming into our life. 
You know, Jesus allows us to be guaranteed citizenship in the kingdom of God. Whether we're a foreigner or an alien, we are no more according to the Bible. When we receive Jesus, when we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, it enables us to live the life that God has destined for us. A life that glorifies God, a life that, that helps save other people, a life that, that, that has meaning now, a life that, that will, will, will leave its mark on eternity because of the souls it helps to bring to heaven with them. We're given peace because of that gift. We're able to cope with things in, in, in ways that we never could before we had that. And because of Jesus, we have a mansion in heaven that's already paid for. We have, we have treasure in heaven that will never spoil or fade. It's already there. I mean, our lives have been profoundly changed. It's had a monster effect on us. And certainly, it's affected everyone, but the, the, the most profound are those that accept Jesus as Lord. Those that are willing to repent of their sin and to get into the waters of baptism. And that's what we need to do at Christmas time, you know. I mean, we need to fall on our knees and thank God for how profoundly our lives have been changed because of, because of what He's done for us. You know, it's amazing that most all of our problems, if not all of our problems, are due to the fact that not only that we sin, but really what it is, because we're all going to sin, what really kills us is that we don't repent. We don't repent. Our marriages don't get healed because people don't repent. Our families don't get healed because people won't repent. Our financial situations don't get better because people won't repent. You know? And yet God has given us this gift that all we need to do is repent. Once we've made Jesus our Lord, confess those sins and repent, and then they're gone. The Bible says that God buries our sin as deep as the sea. But that gift of Jesus being born in that manger is indescribable. And God gave us His one and only Son, so that we'd have an opportunity to live the lives we live now. God gave us that. So, you know, as we take communion in, in, in a moment here, we need to remember that that baby would grow up to change the world. To change the world, not just change where he lived or change the space and time, but to change the world for eternity. But that someday that, that baby would, would, would sneak in, would grow up and, and sneak in and take our place at the executioner's stand. And because of that, we would live, though he would die. And we know that as we take communion that, yes, he died for us. He took our place. He covered for our sin. But he rose from death, conquered even death. And because of that, guys, we all have hope. No matter what we did or didn't get for Christmas, no matter how disappointed we are, we didn't get to see certain family or whatever the case may be, we have hope. Our lives are eternally changed because of what, because of what Jesus did for us, because of what God did for us through Jesus by having him be born. So we need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves and take Jesus back into our pudding back on the rightful throne of our hearts, reminding ourselves that Jesus is our Lord. And this morning, if you're visiting and you haven't made Jesus, we offer you that as well. Really, it's the greatest Christmas gift we could give to you. And it is free. And it's there for the taking. And we want to offer that. But we're going to pray right now. And then we're going to take communion. And hopefully we can think about that. We could be reminded of how lucky we are, of what an indescribable gift we've been given. I know it's something that we need to meditate on to really understand it. Even thinking about this morning, maybe we go, yeah, that's true, that's true. But if we don't meditate on it, it won't infect, profoundly affect our lives the way it should. So let's pray now as we take communion. Let's remember that that baby born is an indescribable gift. God in heaven, we bow before you this morning. So in love with you, so grateful to you for a gift that we can't describe. And yet, God, we, we try so hard. And God, we don't want our efforts to be in vain. We want so much to be able to describe you in the best way we can to those that don't know you. 
We want to be able to offer that same gift of salvation that you've given to us. And God, I pray that during this Christmas season, I know that we have basically another week of holiday here. That we'd be mindful of you. That we'd be making plans to draw nearer to you in the new year. That we decide that once and for all, our marriage is going to be brand new all over again. That our relationship with you is going to be brand new. That, that, that our heart for the lost will be reinvigorated. And God, that you will soften our hearts beyond all that so that we might be more in touch with who we are and how much we need you and therefore how much you love us. We thank you as we take your blood that reminds us of our forgiveness. We take the cup that reminds us of your blood and the forgiveness that brings us into the bread that reminds us of the sacrifice you made and reminds us also of the, 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 the fact that we made you Lord and therefore we're called to live the life you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.